Welcome to the sounds of Salwell from Mercury International. In this episode, Richard Hyam, International Sector Head, Financial and Professional Services, discusses the crucial role of service in customer retention. Richard, in our customer retention mini-series, if we can call it that, we've talked about the importance of uh, customer analysis, we've talked about the importance of active selling, but of course, um, surely service plays a massive part in customer retention. Yes, of course it does, and uh, I think this is changing and changing significantly, but it has been the the poor relation. I mean, if you just think of something like the, the life offices around the UK, um, always talking about levels of new business and never talking about the fact that there's enormous churn that's going on. And uh, it was a couple of years ago now, but uh, one of the analysts, Ned Cazalet, was just exploding the myth that how much of this new business is genuinely new, new business. Okay. And how much is it just stuff that's transferred out? So uh, I think there is there is an undue focus on new business, important as it is. Uh, and we need to focus more on on retention. I remember being, uh, it was a Friday afternoon, it was in a, a mortgage uh, company, and uh, everyone was really excited because they just had their highest ever new business figures yep. ever. And I'm sorry that I did this now because I, I pooped their party uh, by asking and what were the defection figures for that week? And what was the churn rate for that week? And of course, when you looked at the comparison between uh, the leaks in the bucket and the water that had been poured in, it didn't look quite so clever. But, well, part of me shouldn't have pooped the party, but part of me was absolutely right to do that because that's where the profit is being made. It's in persistency and managing churn. Okay, now you mentioned a couple of things there, managing churn being one of them, filling the empty bucket or the leaky bucket rather as another one. But but surely that is rife across across all areas. Okay, so all the greater opportunity to excel in it. Um, get your retention levels up, your profitability goes up. It's far more expensive to win a new customer, whether that's a key account or a new consumer, uh, than it is to keep the one that you've got. So let's get better at it. Let's do the things that need to be done. Okay, what are they? Well, in the time we've got today, and this is a huge subject, but in the time we've got in this podcast, I think I'd pick on on three. Um, I think there's one about structuring your customer service right. Okay. I think there's some definite information about skills and getting the right skills uh, in place. And uh, in particular... I think there's what you do to manage that final step of managing the churn. Okay, so you started with structure. What do you mean? Well, I think this applies particularly to key accounts. Uh, I remember seeing this in a textiles company uh, that, in fact, both you and I have worked with in the past, where when they introduce nominated points of contact for their key accounts, the customer satisfaction and the sales went up extraordinarily. So instead of ringing into accounts, yep. the key account knew that their accounts person was Joe. And if Joe wasn't there, then I spoke to Pat. 
Um, Joe and Pat had their photographs on the account Facebook. Yep. Joe and Pat got out to meet the accounts people. Maybe it was only once a year or once every six months. But there was a the the accounts and the service structure was built around the account. And it applies equally um, in consumer as well. I, I One of the main reasons I stay with my bank is that I know my premium account manager and I know her assistant. Uh, that changes from time to time, but I feel there's relationship there. So I know it can't be done everywhere and I know it can't be done all the time, but trying to structure your customer service to match your customer requirements has got to be a key. Okay, I'm going to challenge you a bit here. Why then do uh, so many major institutions, many of them your customers, um, employ a call center, employ an automated switchboard, which seems designed to prevent the sort of intimacy that I certainly look for, that nominated contact point, you know, building some sort of relationship with an individual, I, I think is critical. Well, I mean, the simple answer is the cost-income ratio or the composite ratio. Right. Um, it's cost. But I think there are also ways of, of creating that intimacy. Uh, the attitude of the people. Uh, we were talking earlier about just the importance of the, the voice on the phone. Sure. Uh, these are things which, which can make a huge difference. Um, getting the balance right between getting availability by reducing the time per call, but just getting the, the small touches. And there are people who are getting it right. Use of name, you know, as yes. opposed to the refusal to give the name. Um, just that final check at the end. It is possible to create customer intimacy in really quite a short transaction. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, two, two recent examples that I've had. Um, I had a, a problem with um, the fact that my car was broken into and I was trying to arrange for some glass to be put back in my car. And my insurance company, who you would have thought had a vested interest in securing my car, the uh, re particular representative I was talking to on the phone said, ah, one of the problems, Mr. Rathbone, is the job has moved. I said, well, just a minute. The job hasn't moved. Your customer is, is going home for the evening from Sheffield, 100 miles home. That's what's happening. And it was sort of, oh, my God, yeah, it's not a job. It is a customer out at the, at the end there. That surely is where this has gone wrong. Yeah, so that's could be a, a systems issue. You know, you cross the state line and all sorts of things stopped. It could be an attitude issue um, that the person doesn't know what good should feel like. Yeah. And it could be a skills issue. Um, what a world of difference between uh, it hasn't been finished yet or I can see where it is in the process and it'll be finished by the end of today. So it could be skills, it could be attitude, it could be systems. I, I, I think also what happened there was some um, terminology or, or language that is used in the office which I think is perfectly acceptable as, a, as an internal shorthand, but I think that leaked out to someone who shouldn't have heard it, i.e. me, the customer. Yeah, and that is partly attitude, part of its skills. A lot of it's uh, co-listening. Was there somebody listening in yeah. and able to play that back? So can you hear where that went wrong? And uh, 
particularly in Scandinavia, we've seen an enormous uplift in customer satisfaction when the time that supervisors spend co-listening goes up. And we've got an example in a utility company and another one in a bank where now 75% of the supervisor's time is spent co-listening. Incidentally, partly achieved by uh, being able to avoid handoffs, which also seems to both irritate customers and really foul up the system. Okay. Now, inevitably then we've migrated towards talking about skills and you're talking about co-listing there as an investment in the service provider's skills. What are these skills that an individual needs to have? Well, if you believe any of the um, ideas and the the theories put across, starting with people like Moravian and going forward, um, about the limitations of just communicating with the voice, as we're doing in this podcast, there's got to be some life in the voice. If I speak in a monotone, flat way and we're talking face to face, I might get away with it because you can see I'm animated. But the people who are listening at the moment, Andrew, have no idea that I am not just extremely boring and fed up with the process. So we've got to bring some life into the voice. And it takes some energy. It takes some engagement. It takes some knowledge and some skills to do that. So even if you just take it down to that simple level of communicating with the voice, huge skill. There are knowledge issues about avoiding, again, avoiding handoffs, so I know enough to be able to solve the situation. There are attitudinal issues about taking ownership. Uh, These things, when wrapped together, hugely enhance the customer experience, whether that customer is a consumer like you with your car broken into, or Megacorp trying to work out how it's going to enhance its supply chain and its relationship with its suppliers. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the point. Please don't use your normal voice again, Richard, will you? <laughs> um, finally then, uh, we have um, a, a more technical business issue perhaps, which is that of customer churn. What, what is churn? Why is it a bad thing? And how do you avoid it? Well, of course, there are um, some parts of the financial industry where one can't talk about churn. Uh, one has to at best talk about transfer or um, possibly... Um, moving the business in the interest of the client. However, let's call it churn. And churn is simply customers leaving to go somewhere else. Now, if a customer leaves me and doesn't do anything else, that's bad news. If my customer leaves me and goes to a competitor, that's a double whammy. Yes. So there is an argument which says that by the time we get to managing the churn, it's too late. Let's just take the classic example of a mortgage. Mortgage is coming to an end of a particular term. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that in the weeks leading up to that, either the client is thinking about a move or needs to be thinking about what they're going to do. So are we talking to them early enough before the idea of the moving away has come into their heads, before they've gone online and looked at meerkats or markets and decided in principle almost, well, I'm going to move. The question is where? So there is an argument which says by the time you start to manage churn, it's too late. But of course it's not. Um, And I think that there are two aspects to this. There's one, the general skills of customer service 
to be able to handle that. And sometimes to have a specialist team in place who are referred to. Um, I'll give you a concrete example. Over recent months um, the in the UK, there's been quite a big change in credit insurance going on. Okay. And a number of people have been moving uh, away from insuring a loan or a credit card or whatever it might be. And I rang my credit card company to say I wanted to stop paying this premium right. because I didn't think it was giving me the cover I wanted and so forth. I was never given a hard time in the sense of feeling bad about it. But after the the normal customer service person had done their best yes. and had wanted, seen that they wanted to keep my business because of the enormous balance on my credit card, I was handed on to an individual who made it really difficult for me to take the decision to leave. Not unpleasantly, but he made me aware of the implications. He gave me a financial argument. He talked, made him a bit of an emotional play. Okay. Now, in the end, I did move because it was going to happen anyway. But he did a great job in holding me there. Whereas others, it was almost a shrug of a shoulder and say, well, on you go then. Yeah. So I think it's a mixture of having regular people able to do most of it and probably having specialists who are able to do that to last ditch stand. But fundamentally, it's also about not getting into the situation in the first place and getting the system and the people to stop the problem before it arises. Right. Okay, so you've taken us full circle there from churn back to a discussion about structure. Yes. So we, we've got the, the structure of, of who is actually talking to your customers and when. Yes. We've got the key skills yep. uh, from very personal skills to a broader understanding of the customer. And you've got the management of what happens when people want to leave the organization. Yeah. What should people do if they want to know more than you've said today? Well, it's an enormous subject and it's a crucial subject. So very happy to talk about it. Uh, we have colleagues who are particularly skilled in this area. We mentioned co-listening. Yep. Um, and so just happy to speak. Email me, richard Hyam at mercury.co.uk. Or if you'd like a conversation about it, give me a call. Plus four four seven seven one two five eight eight seven five seven. Always delighted to talk. Always happy to put you in touch with people who are really effective in this area with good ideas and good track records. Mm -hmm.